I'm David Harris. You're joining us for another edition of Enjoy Your Life, the Spectrum Culture podcast. I know the last one sounded really good because we were in person. Now we are in Zoom again, so maybe it won't sound as awesome. Joining me are co-host Eric Meller. Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs> Sorry. There was some weird. So, speaking of like technology, like that, like all of a sudden I got this FaceTime call literally as you said my name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Holly Hazelwood, how are you? I'm doing all right, David. How are you? I'm pretty happy. And I'll tell you why. Um, a couple podcasts ago, we had Owen Pallet on and they were talking about how one of the most amazing things that ever happened to them is they received a letter from someone named Van Dyke Parks saying that they liked <laughs> their music. So we went out and we got Van Dyke Parks to be on the podcast. <laughs> how you doing, Van Dyke? So far, so good. Yeah. Always nice to see the assassins. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you most worried about? <laughs> I wasn't. Well, I don't know. But like Hazelwood was a very important name to me. I told Holly because uh, Michael Hazelwood was a lyricist who wrote It Never Rains in Southern California. And he did that never having been here. A terrifically uh, insightful man. He was in... Uh, a working class, stiff neighborhood of Crawley, England, wishing he could get out of the box. And, he, and that song catapulted him onto a house on the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> and, and a lovely man, he was the godfather of my children. Oh, wow. Him. Yeah, Hazelwood. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Van Dyke. A big deal. He also wrote, All I Need is the Air That I Breathe and to Love You. I mean, that's a great, that's a great song. The fact that you could just have the ingenuity to create a song with just a title and hang everything on that condenser is very smart, man. We, he died at a five-star hotel in Florence, Italy when he was 55, which, of course, I guess is a good way to go because, like, he feared being old he was a he he loved his youth he was buff and everything that's why i understand it when somebody like harry nelson said to me his, his last record album title was going to be back from health See, <laughs> health can kill you man if you're not careful look what it did to michael hazelwood so there's a warning right there don't get too buff me everybody's talking six pack i say one pack. Cool. I'll <laughs> cool. I'll stay fat. That's perfect. Oh, you're beautiful. Oh, thank you so is, is one pack the euphemism for a keg? Or is uh, it? I mean, well, it's yeah. I don't know. It's built for overalls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, um, one thing that's uh, pretty amazing, um, just reading over your credentials, is like you are a bridge to pretty much everyone from Grace. <laughs> you're, you're telling a musician he has credentials. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're very important, Van Dyke. Let's know. not let's okay, not you, let's not dig around here. Acted, right. You've acted in a film with Grace Kelly when you were young. That's correct. True. I did. Well, and I, I, I showed up and knew my lines. Yeah. And you I, I have, I have worked one. with Jonah Newsom. So it's like from here to here, speaking of spectrums, I mean. Yeah. I, I read that uh, Brian Wilson came to you because he thought that you could improve good vibrations. Like, that's pretty impressive. Well, I don't know that that's true. I, I have no idea. If, uh, uh, I'll take your word for it. I, I'm very impressed if that's so. But the fact is, <laughs> no, I did suggest the cello. I've always taken such great pride. I'm like an old general rehearsing what is one victory. <laughs> Chanting dust bunnies with a broom at my age, but I did suggest the cello for the uh, with the triplets uh, up close called Seco, Seco, Arco, Bow and Dry, Bone Dry in the Face, Cello, identifying it's what you call the signature shot of the song, and that got me a relationship, I think, with Brian as a lyricist. So that's um, a matter of. Um, of softball journalism, if I ever heard it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a, here's, a, here's a real softball for you. I start this, we've usually been starting the last year off with this question. How the hell has your COVID year been? What dashed dreams and hopes have you experienced? That Well, every, every one of them, I, of course, in my first, uh, my first reaction to the entirety of, of a mindless virus 
overcoming worldwide humanity was crocodile tears. I was thinking about how maybe if there was a lord of any sort or sex or not, no sex whatsoever. So let's not trivialize the, the, the um, escapism of, of, of accepting some superior intelligence. In fact, one showed up. It was called COVID. It was bigger than everybody. It's bigger than the armada. It was bigger than the plague. And I thought about how maybe the progress of profit, the dash for the big buck, the fast buck, and, and, and uh, on-demand culture, maybe all this would change. Maybe people would stop being so vertical, settle down and be horizontal and mutually empower each other. What the opposing thumb was supposed to instrument a sense of compassion. So I thought all this would happen in the leveling of the, of, the, of, the, of the quarantine. And we were quarantined from March 15th of last year, you know, for over a year. So we were told not to leave the house because we were vulnerable. If there's anything I don't want to hear at my age, it's that I'm vulnerable. <laughs> it's not cute. So, because uh, I'm a tough old bird. But it did remind me of Luke, the Bible. I don't want to get bore you now with anything uh, like allegorical. But it, uh, in the Bible, it says in Luke, who, by the way, is uh, ascribed to be a woman and maybe Jesus' mother, because there are feminine uh, uh, terms in Aramaic, which uh, in the original Aramaic, it may have been written by a woman, and they suspect at any rate. Right. And Luke, it's whoever Luke was, a good storyteller, he reminded the people of the village to just stop <laughs> stop this hubris, settle down. And it had to do with all of these sins of, of uh, abuses, of social abuses that we see so now material evident, materially evident. And Luke reminded the people to look at the people in, the, in that village over there. And, and, and he had... It referred to God as a, a guy. He has scattered the proud in the imagining of their hearts, and the rich he has sent empty away. And I thought, wow, poor people everywhere are going to love this. <laughs> people that rent property, small apartments in Los Angeles, are going to love this. People who scramble to slew hash just to pay their college debts, they're going to love this. <laughs> and that was my first reaction. Then I realized I didn't have to change a thing. I was alone, like I always am, doing my job. They say that I collaborated with people. In fact, I've never collaborated with anybody <laughs> to any great extent. I think a collaborate, collaboration is, is uh, a term of, uh, it has terms of surrender, but and also uh, no surrender. It's, it's the most adversarial relationship you can come up with and, and be creative. And if you're successful, end with a relationship that is endless. So that was my reaction to quarantine. And then I got an email from a woman in, uh, uh, I mean, out of nowhere, uh, a woman uh, in uh, Veracruz in the southern tip of Mexico, the Yucatan. And and uh, it, she asked if I could get her a record concert. She's a harpist doing poetry in the Yucatan, and she wanted to know if I could do uh, uh, get her a record deal. And I told her no. I'm uh, I was what seventy seven. I said I'm seventy seven. I'm old and in the way. Passe. You think some record company's going to say I I just got a call from a cult hero of the sixties, Van Morrison, <laughs> who wants to uh, do some folk music poetry in Mexico? How about that? Record executives would run from that, okay? I told her, can't help you, but I would like to hear something. So she sent me a couple of pieces, and I was floored. And the one that I got liked was most was uh, at the first, uh, because it just startled me. It just it opened up the incredibly broad compass of rhythms and stuff that, sh that they have down there in that pre-Columbian cultural uh, hot spot called uh, the Yucatan. And Cielito Lindo starts, she tells a poem, a poem. She says, it's a recitation. 
It's in 7-4, by the way. And I thought, my God, this is worse than Burt Backrack. <laughs> yeah. just, just a second. I have to go get a Dave Brubeck record up. What am I going to do? Like, that was 7-4. Uh, she made a mistake. Uh-oh, here, here comes the 7-4 again. Was it fastball? Where is my bat? How are people going to dance to this? Anyway, so, and that's when I got the clue that it, there is some great mathematics driven by poetry. Now, this is very small poetry. It reminded me so much of Ferlin Getty, uh, uh, Bob Dylan, when he, when, when he didn't have, uh, you know, any medicinal problems. And, and um, it was just beautiful, uh, supremely unimportant poetry, small talk, but of a different and parallel universe. Do you, speak, do you speak Spanish? No, but I, no. But I know I agree with them. Yeah. Them <laughs> that I do agree with, I can tell. Yeah. Because music is that absolutely incontrovertibly. Uh, uh, it leaves you naked and, and <laughs> stripped and bleeding. It takes you right to the, opens the door. Uh, to the to the deliverer. So I was very impressed, and and so for nothing, and in the sight of my loyal wife, we've been married for forty two years. By the way, on her tombstone, I'm writing these words. I get it. We're not going to be making a dime on this one either. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going on the headstone. So, I mean, if it's sudden and violently, I I don't want her to suffer. So, and I don't want her to stop soon either because she knows all the passwords. I don't. <laughs> oh, that's the one thing that's keeping you wanting to hold hold her up. No, no, no. But it's true. With a very loyal wife, and in quarantine, I worked on arrangements. I would say a baker's dozen anyway. Um, that uh, that. Uh, really are epic and, and uh, an extended album play. So why do this? Why would I give a damn? Well, you might wonder, why don't I go to see pixelated movies? I'll tell you why. Because there are some movies, maybe I won't even understand the language, that are outside the box, that might give me some pers perspective. Maybe I'll go see a, a frog movie with the subtitles. I'm looking at <laughs> subtitles while my wife is listening, watching the movie. Because I don't. So that's the, the idea is to find those things which are of temporary value, but but in our shuffle mentality we miss them in the ubiquity of star power. <laughs> my way out of the room, my way out of cabin fever was to go to a culture to try and understand it because I had no excuse. I had no excuse not to work for nothing for this woman whom I've never met. Have you still never met her? Have not, not met her. Have you done the Zoom thing at least? Yeah, no, no, we do Zoom because you don't have to you know, uh, uh, various things. I was going to say, otherwise, we're, we're more intimate with you otherwise than the Zoom thing, but you have, so we're good. <laughs> no, I, I we never, should make a record together. Don't. We, did, we didn't Zoom, we didn't Zoom, uh, but, but we FaceTime occasionally. Yeah. But the thing is, and we've had many emails, but because but, uh, I wanted her approval, and of course, I would do things here in, in my workroom, and then uh, she would, and then I would, I press send, I press this button, it says send. <laughs> that was a problem, man. It's like a Betty Boop cartoon. And it's gonna blow up if you get all these people in here. <laughs> so, so I, uh, then I'm, I'm the vector for all those string players and that has to go out to the string players. And, I have to, and they, they have to be tuned and in sync. And all this has to be done faithfully. You couldn't do this during the Spanish flu, I'll tell you that. Certainly not. No. But uh, it's amazing um, uh, that, that it was accomplished. And then you see just about 
the time when I want to tell you there was um, a comma in uh, red ink. So we we went out. I went and and I I financed my own futility. There was no way I was going to sell this thing. I was only doing it because it was the right thing to do. And I'm curious. And it drove me forward and improved my ability as an arranger, a string writer. Seven strings I use, three violins, two violas, one cello, one bass, to elevate this girl with her heart so that her poetry is given exterior uh, uh, validation where she is has heroic, uh, she's an example of what it is to be a musician of the Yucatan. Her grandfather built and is famous for his harps and played them. Her father played the harp. So she's from a dynasty. The song Silitolindo begins, she's looking out the window. Let me just paraphrase it because I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> she's, uh, uh, she sees the mountain there and the, the river coursing down the, the side of the mountain with the blood of her ancestors and her father, her, her brothers. And uh, people are walking by holding their shoes, which are useless because they've come so far north with their contraband. They go to the court, that's all in 7-4. <laughs> so you want a little stability, perhaps. It's zero gravity music. There's nothing pedestrian about it. Highly physical, though, eurythmic. That is, it feels to me like almost danceable. It's a beautiful, it's, it's driven by great, uh, great thoughts and so forth. And, and, um, and then, of course, she gets into four on the floor when she goes to the chorus. It's a beautiful sky. It's a beautiful sky. This would give Randy Newman a lesson in irony. <laughs> the point is, her, her, her work is good. Now, of course, works like this, beyond the scope of our Hall of Mirrors, we call it a pop culture. They call it a culture. Uh, it is, this, to me, is very much self-indulgent and of need uh, for a pronounced interest in other cultures. Now, where would I start? I'm only 78. When I go to a bank and I put my card in the slot, it says, do you want this in English or Spanish? So, you know, I get it. Maybe like this is a multicultural situation I'm looking at. Maybe I can help make multiculturalism less of a spook and more of a confection. And how am I going to do that? Well, the only two ways that this ape man knows about is food or music. And those two items, I think, are, so I'll eat the food and, and I would like to work with them on this music to understand it and so forth. And it's all about cross, crossing the aisle, the browning of America, the urgency that we have to celebrate uh, these um, ver uh, varieties and uh, yeah, and uh, leave the bubble boys behind. The people that uh, just want to get screwed in the back seat. Let them, leave them alone. Let's not waste our time. We don't have any time for that or the short they wrote in, uh, they wrote in or the hog they wrote in on. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about that lyric, um, about the backing up about the sky is, um, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about this because I'm stuck on it. Um, you know, cielo means sky in Spanish, but by making it cielito, she's adding a diminutive to it. So it's a more personalized, um, a more personalized take on it because she's looking at the sky more affectionately rather than from a distance. Um, well, it just drives me up a wall. I think the whole thing is so. She's a very nice person, and I would really, and she knows. I, I don't have any fanciful notions, but for the amount of work that comes into a record, I hope people will celebrate it and and support it with but buying a damn copy, and if they don't have a turntable, which I don't have one in my possession, I think it's still in a cardboard box in the garage. 
because that's what we do is move around with, with uh, things as they are in local real estate. So we don't have the, we downsize the turntable, we, but they make great Frisbees, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it for a cause. You're keeping the arts alive, less decorative. So I just think it's a good, uh, it's a good album. I'm very proud of it because I got to witness it I was a lucky guy and enough about me. What I just want to know, what can we do? Is there anything that I, that I should be answering or asking of you guys? Oh no, we're, we're here to talk about like your work and whatnot. I guess my question, I have a few questions about this album and like, do you get a lot of people soliciting your help just out of the blue like this or is this? Oh, a I, I get, yeah, I get, I get uh, emails all the time. I, I, I get a lot, I, a lot and it varies, you know, <clears throat> It varies, but um, I would say I do get a lot of, of email, and I cannot tell you, I, I think it's important to stay available. Now, when I was a child, I think I was eight, I had reached the age of reason, so to speak, and I think I was eight, or perhaps I was nine, I would think nine. I was invited next door. To the is this party. is this in the Louisiana or is no 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 this oh, is my one my when my dad had just moved to Pittsburgh oh Pennsylvania yep he was okay, Eric's got ties to Pittsburgh yeah my whole family's from there my dad was president of, of both uh, um, but Carnegie Mellon right or no no he, oh. it was, he, he, yeah I went to Carnegie Tech okay that's what it was okay and, uh, he, my dad was president of the McKeesport Hospital and the the uh, Pittsburgh Hospital on staff. That's right. Your dad worked with the Dachau survivors or something? No, or? yeah, he did. I don't think he worked well. I don't think he asked them to work with him. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. He was there. You're darn right. But yeah. the okay. thing is, but the thing is, um, when I was at the Kessler's, I was uh, asked to come over because there was going to have they were going to have a Seder and they needed a boy. And they had three girls, uh, all of whom I wanted to get horizontal with. And they were and little teenagers, uh, just about, were certainly uh, at heart, ready to roll. And um, uh, so I went over for the Seder, this sacred night, and I was going to answer the big question. I learned my lines because uh, that the father asked the, the young man, and and it, it, they uh, we were all sitting there, a very severe meal, most severe Judaic. Uh, uh, reverence and uh, it's all very quiet and very severe and uh, Mr. Kessler whom I loved like a father and Mr. Kessler looked at me and he said what makes this night different from any other night and I said well for one thing Mr. Kessler I have my hand on your daughter's knee <laughs> <laughs> and they kept talking about that for the last 50 years I'm serious they haven't forgotten <laughs> I learned at that at what I learned at that Seder was this business of the open door, leaving the door ajar, lest the prophet appear, mm. which I thought, hey, man, that is an incredible idea. Let's remember that. Yeah. And that, to me, is what the emails are. We, we went, when, we, when we were splat, when FaceTime came out, I said to my wife, I said, are we supposed to be doing this to engage? And she said, she said, Van Dyke, it took me 20 years to leave Memphis, and I don't want them back. <laughs> so we, so we, we didn't go Facebook. But when Obama went Twitter, I thought, if he has time to do it, I do. And then Instagram, because I was told. Yeah, when we when we reviewed the the new album, uh, you I think you either retweeted it or you said Mira or something like that when... Uh, when we put it up there, so we appreciate the Oh, booze. thank you for the notice. That was so kind. Yeah. You know, it's so hard to talk about all this stuff. I tried to give you a little dweeb perspective about what delighted me. You know, it's like, you know, I, we, my wife and I go back and forth on the New York Times crossword puzzle with the local one. We, who gets to do what, when, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and it's, so this, like, it's always a little competitive and the thing is, it's so wonderful uh, to get any credit for any work that's done. But I feel that I've done something of great use. And it's on this particular record, 
notice all of the the uh, what, what the tip of the iceberg is the Klaus Foreman picture. Yeah, he did uh, all those Beatles uh, covers did, and he like did, uh, he did the famous, the most famous award-winning uh, uh, revolver cover. Right. And I've also I've always said Klaus was eighty-one when I asked him to do this one, and I told Klaus that I wanted a Haitian postcard. I wanted the, the clash of the, the the colors, the extravagance, and and. Uh, romance and so forth. But Klaus heard the music in Munich, where he lives, near Munich, and Klaus decided to address the sincerity of the, the dream escape and the, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's a quite a, a, you know, it's quite a... I guess this is a full effect for the the people you're showing the people well, on the podcast, but that's the that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very now he's a musician too, right? He played with uh, I think he was on the concert for Bangladesh and some of the yeah, other yeah, solo yeah, Beatles yeah, things, uh, Yellow Magic or whatever, what not oh no, but band with John Lennon and so oh, the plastic Ono band, yeah, yeah. And no. but you'll notice on the picture, Klaus is big so to me. I have somehow, like a desperado waiting by the train found a way to see my way through this. You asked, the question was when I came to you in this beautiful podcast, that I came to just admit that I was doing nothing. I got an, an honorable offer and I saw it through. And at the very end, I had, I had run out of all but the primitive will and, and, and to say everything gets pro bono, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to meet Cher. <laughs> uh, but, but, we, but we had not, no prospect, and I got a, a, an email from a gentleman I'd known. I'd met in Berlin and known for about seven years that I was an advisor on the board of a, of a German arts organization. You ought to look it up, called the House of the World's Cultures. It's an organization with 46 employees, permanent employees, that is built to make sure that Germany never gets to be as isolationist as it was in Hitlerian times. Now, mm -hmm. look at the, let me fast forward to the present tense. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, who died last year, was my favorite of the beat poets. Like Ginsburg, he was pissed. Ginsburg, however, was a Hessian. Ferlinghetti had the Italian vibe. So like, no matter how pissed he got, he still knew that it was all gonna be fine. You know, it was, <laughs> it was like somehow cuddly, cuddly, pissed, cuddly. So I, the man at 96 wrote the poem, and this is one for the books, Pity the Nation. And in Pity the Nation, he says, Pity the Nation that speaks only its own language, that, that knows only its own language. He goes on to say, whose breath is money, who sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the Nation. Well, the man is exhorting me to get out of my fucking crib, and that's what <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> And it is abstract to me, as it was to, to, to go Calypso when I collapsed and would discover America in 1971. Um, I have always wanted not to be, it's not that I'm a genre author, I'm, I don't. I respond to what I think are the exigencies, the real needs of others. Easy, it's so easy to help the helpless. And to me, this record, this album that I did, which all it seeks is black ink. It doesn't need approval, but I know it to be true. It's all good work, it's my best work. Although I don't seem to be conspicuous. When are you gonna do your, I, this is my stuff. This is what I do. I am a beta male. I'm a good beta male. <laughs> Nothing bad, nothing bad with that. 
And so I found my use as, as, as to, to, to make permanent press to archive folk music. This is bigger than playing 5D with the birds. This is a real, uh, this makes me feel like by just taking this woman's offer, she has validated me. I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> I'm doing what I've been staggering toward for the last 50 years, folks. How about we uh, take a break and listen to this, like a song off of here? Do you mind introducing it? And then we'll let everyone at home hear it. And then we'll come back and talk, talk a little bit more. Does that work for you? Introducing this song? Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, you know, we did, I thought we'd introduce it. It's called Cielito Lindo. It's like a happy-go-lucky song from the Yucatan by Veronica Valerio, orchestrated by yours truly. La sangre es como los ríos que van tejiendo memoria y así se tejió la historia de la sangre de los míos. Del cerro hacia los bajíos se juntaron las corrientes, entre lluvias y crecientes, entre montañas y llanos. Se reunieron mis hermanos mis padres y mis parientes. De la Sierra Morena, cielito lindo, vienen bajando un par de ojitos negros, cielito lindo, de contrabando. De la Sierra Morena, cielito lindo, vienen bajando de la tarde que regresa envuelta en nube que regresa envuelta en nube Well, that was uh, that was Cielito Lindo and uh, with that song I just assure you you don't have to know what she is saying to agree with her Veronica Valerio so a very lucky uh, gift for me during quarantine a mitzvah, as we say down there. Now, during the break, you had some questions for us that you wanted us to yeah, answer. Yeah, I want to I know about you guys. You know, like, like um, 
I want to know if I want, I want to, I want to know, I want to kick Eric around. What's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> and I, want, I see your guitar there and you've got CH. What is that? What's that mean? That's from Switzerland. These are just, these are from a, a trip I took to, to Europe many, many years ago. And that was just, I put the, the stickers from all the places I visited on the guitar. So, and you play the guitar? I, I do, but um, I started playing uh, through the years. I've shifted. Uh, I've found that I am a more uh, I, I am a beta male as well. I like <laughs> I, I I love the I like the actual I like supporting and um, so I played bass and now I'm actually a drummer primarily. Oh, I like that. I always like going. I like looking at things from the different. The, the different seats. Yes. Yeah. However, however I've gotten pushed into uh, playing the accordion on a lot of gigs. Oh, really? Where I, where I should have played the piano. Interesting. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's good to be uh, to pretend to be alpha. <laughs> well, it's you know I fa- I've found that um, I don't know like it, the re- the story that I always tell is that my my wife and I have played in bands for with each other for a very long time and when we first started playing together we were both playing guitar and there was a lot of headbutting when we were both playing guitar. And so I was your like, wife's the, your wife, your wife's the alpha male, right? One thousand percent Jade is the alpha so, male. <laughs> so I figured like the only way to get around that is to switch this up. And so I switched to bass and all of a sudden, like uh, working together was a lot easier. We, we found that that was how we are. It was, it was a lot easier to, to mesh at that point. And that was, and ever since then, I've been slowly moving away from guitar. Amazing. Did you ever do any power chord? Did you actually do the? Did you really come on? Was that the Pete Townsend thing there that you did the windmill? (laughs) Did you cavell, Eric? Come on! Did you like the Who? What was going on? I I did I did not I did not windmill I did not. I (laughs) I was I was too. That's the, and that's the thing is like the guitar it's like too it's too like it's you got to be specific you know with bass and drums it's a little bit more you know you get to you get to move around a lot more there's less strings with the bass like I can handle four strings six strings like that's that's too much and and, and are you in Portland as well yeah we're well, actually Holly and I live about two blocks from each other and Dave lives not far away either we're all we're all very close are you folks air conditioned. I am. Um, no. Eric came to my house on one of the days when it was 115 yeah. degrees. No, no, yeah. Dig it, dig it. So uh, this is the thing that's that's really interesting to me. Uh, you can play anything you want. You can insert any uh, any music you want, can't you? In your yeah. show, yeah. Would you be willing to consider a piece of music? That of course, that's absolutely. In addition to this album I want everybody to buy on BMG label called Only in America. So we made that plain, I think. I think I flogged the merch. I did a song that I think should be pronounced. It's not not something that I gave great fanfare to, but I released it as a single. Always ahead of the curve, folks. (laughs) And I released it as a single. and it's called Black Gold. And it's about, about the sinking of an oil tanker off the Bay of Biscay in Europe, tarring the face of France, Portugal, and Spain, and the fishing villages that have been there for the millennia. It tarred those beaches. And they got away with murder, as they always do under Liberian flags and so forth. And it was this ironically called the Prestige. The Prestige uh, uh, fell apart off the coast. And that was on, I think, page 14 of the Los Angeles Times. And I had had it. And I got pissed. And I wrote a song called Black Gold. And I want to tell you something. This is a, perhaps a subtext, but this is who I am, and we're just trying to be direct with each other. Time is tight. In fact, since 1969, when the Santa Barbara oil spill occurred, 
my only obsession, my pole star, has been regard for echo politics, the importance of dialing out fossil fuels. My anger at big oil was codified when I got to produce the Esso Trinidad Steel Band in 1971. It was my Trojan horse. I'd get into those gas stations. I knew how I'd do it too. <laughs> with Bing Crosby on, at White Christmas. It was all part of the plan. <laughs> Echo Chic in 71, trying to tell people that it was coming. It's here now. And I think about the utility of the protest song. My friend Phil Oakes, whom I loved like a brother, uh, said, in such ugly times, the only true protest is beauty. So this was a difficult song for me, Black Gold. Um, but <laughs> the reason I ask you to indulge it is because we're frying here and Europe is drowning uh -huh. and we've got to stop in our tracks. And this is a sobering, uh, to me, this is bigger than the Armada. Uh -huh. This is bigger than the plague. And this is incontrovertible that we can yet do something to mediate our carbon footprint. How about not going on rock and roll tours, leaving our contrails in the sky? The most odious effluvium of human greed, air transport. We're doing nothing about it. And by the way, the reason for that is because batteries take ingenuity. So Black Gold is a good song. Now talk about this fossil fuel thing just for a second before you float in there, if, if you're still with me, or this may end up on some editing room floor, like it did when the prestige hit the coast of Europe. In, uh, oh no, this is staying in the episode. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> The, uh, my, there are many greats to the grandfather, I think three of them, to David Alter. David Alter was my grandfather, uh, my, my mother's uh, eternal grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. In 1842, he built the first American car. And he did it, you can look this up, he did it with a battery. And the battery went seven miles on one charge. Now, Dr. David Alter, that country physician of Freeport, Pennsylvania, he could have fueled his car with oil, but he found fossil fuels repugnant and toxic. Later on, he would go on to uh, invent spectrum analysis so that we'd know what minerals <laughs> we were burning. And uh, anyway, bright guy. I always was proud that I came from somebody who knew that oil was the enemy if we didn't handle it with care. And so it's time to twi trim the wicks and listen to this song, if you please. <laughs> called Black Gold.
I had seen the captain drinking I don't know what he was thinking When he took that stinking cargo out Without a doubt he went too far But he will take us out to sea Eighty thousand metric tons of crude A crew of twenty-one Were pounding through the ocean Just to jar her screws in motion All the stars rotating in their canopy Black gold rolling in the hold Back and forth in time for every swell Black gold time would now unfold the heavens fixed upon our last farewell to this black gold then she hit the water with a shudder in it got her as she went down her to utter was the captain in his cups what's up says in my gut I know we all are doomed She broke up a hemorrhage of oil Gosh, a rage of oil from the soiled foil of her hull And she was pulled beneath the waves Into her grave down in the gloom Black gold, my heart is still in pain My mandolin will tell her how I feel Black gold of fire felt for miles around the river's belt and as of oil slithering and never mind come hitherin to leave your black and slick stick on the shore it is not romantic in the morning seaside panic scores of frantic birds yet and it cares they slog through all it augurs as an ecologic nightmare to be sure Ladies in Mercedes on the strand Black gold, nature's upper hand The tar upon her car and in the sand All this black gold Resurrection Christ, I'd say on him reflecting I'm not sure he'd feel secure With what we're doing here Moreover, want to lead us clear out of this dark Down the deepest trenches Man is stewing in his stenches Their cadavers hope a laver And the gravity of their endeavors Cleverly converts them into shark Black gold, my heart is still in pain My mandolin will tell her how I feel Black gold, bounding on the main An agony of ebony and steel All this black gold
So that was my ecology song. That's a, a uh, that's probably from uh, uh, ten years. That's way back. It's a it's I'm not sure how many years. Uh, yeah, I think 2010. Yeah, it was. Thank you for sharing that, and hopefully people vote, go buy the single or you know. Well, I, I have no idea. I I know that there was a company called Bella Union in, in the UK, and they coughed up enough dough for me to add those five cello lines. <laughs> Dig it, five cello lines. So I was doing what Phil Oaks admonished me to do, and I wanted to complete that thought. In such ugly times, the only true protest is beauty. Hey guys, when we had Owen on here, was it cello that we were listening to with the Ligeti pieces? Um, uh, I think it was, yeah. Okay. They were definitely pointing out how the cellist was right. really rocking with it. Now, I'm, I'm terrified to ask you this question, not because of the question itself, but how I'm going to phrase it. So I'm going to put myself out there. Um, looking at the list of people you've worked with, collaborated with, amigos were, I, whatever, you know, whatever the right, whatever the right vernacular is, the one, I mean, there's so many names that spring up and I'm sure every person that you talk to has like one or two names where they're like, oh my God. And the one that stands out to me is someone who I actually knew when they were alive and that's Vic Chestnut. Um, one of my favorite musicians of, of all time. Um, yep. You know, I've interviewed him and met him numerous times. I've talked to him on the phone a bunch of times or did when he was alive. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience working on uh, music with, with Vic? Well, yeah, see, I, I just recognized that uh, Vic was, I was very impressed when I saw him first in a performance. We were in Holland and we collided at the same collective arts event. I don't I remember where it was. And um, all of a sudden, that was where I saw him. I went to see him because I heard there was an American on, uh, from uh, Georgia down, down there. So I went to the show and I loved it and uh, met him. And um, out of nowhere, he asked me to do some work. I think I arranged something for him. I'm not sure, played something on his record. I, I think it's uh, Ghetto Bells is the one that you might Yeah, what yeah. a guy. Anyway, the point is, I enjoyed uh, the, the, you know, I, I do believe uh, in, the, in the advisory of, of country musicians for a good, for a good song. Mm -hmm. All you need is three chords and the truth. And I believe that. I believe, I mean, I'm just as delighted with the economy of music as I am with the intricacies. I like it all, you know, if it's well thought out. And, and to some great purpose, it would be wonderful. Or, or, to, or to no great purpose either. That's also fun. But Vic, I, the reason that I just ensure, because I think it's just a tragic event, of course. Uh, so defiant, uh, kind of uh, the same kind of uh, spark for individuality that could only come from the South. It's looked as an anomaly, of course, in the corporate world and by for, you know, first world understanding and so forth, uh, the way we uh, reverence pecking order. But in the South, there is the celebration of indi individuality. And with Vic, his work, and the, after coming like a phoenix out of, the, out of the accident that crippled him for life, making it impossible for him to be independent in ways that we all take for granted, off that bridge or whatever it was, wherever he catapulted into such tragic uh, a situation. He wasn't a whiner, and what I liked about his... his incredible defiance was that he didn't direct his anger at anyone. You know, I see, I've seen a lot of comedians who need a victim for a good joke. I don't think Vic had that kind of that uh, inferior nature. And, and in fact, 
his work celebrated the human condition and, and gave hope. And, and he reminded me of a coterie of Southern, I'll put him in there with you, Eudora Welty or some of the great, I don't have, I'm not in the right room, but, but to, there's a, Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, O'Connor yeah. and so forth. Yeah. And, also, and, but you know, uh, that really celebrate that they, that they, they, it, it, they empower the individuality uh, that is so pivotal to leading a life examined and, and worthwhile. My wife, for example, from Memphis, has a cousin who built a submarine in the yard. They finally put it in a warehouse, built a bigger submarine. He did it without, he did it without uh, specifics. What do you call the, the, the a blueprint? The what? Blueprint? Yeah, nothing. <clears throat> and then he got the permission of the Scottish Parliament to take it to the lock so that he could go down and biopsy the, the monster. <laughs> and he did the pneumatics. He did it all himself. You can imagine wow. what my wife's cousin had to do with no schematic. So brilliant. That could only happen in the South. Only. So, I mean, it's just kind of a, you know, it's, and, uh, so, but, that, but that's a story I'm allowed to tell. But, but uh, it's great, you know, so this is what Vic did. He kept me in touch with, with the South, which I knew uh, before uh, air conditioning, before, you know, with porches, with their moire screening, you know. Yeah. <laughs> at night, it's fun to sleep in and put a rug on. Watch a thunderstorm roll in. Yeah. Do you guys get thunderstorms in Los Angeles? Because we don't get them here. Listen, we have we have we have the most flaccid sky ever built. (laughs) (laughs) You got smog. A cumulus. A cumulus. No, no, man. They don't have such no, it's all but no, there are there there occasionally there can be a buttermilk sky and we get we get the edge of monsoonal action from Mexico. But um, but I miss my the parallel to meridional parallel to Portland uh, to the uh, you know to uh, North Carolina and stuff, which I spent a lot of time just about every autumn of my youth going there, and so and I've, I and I miss the seasons. <sighs> now I miss fireflies. We don't have those either here. Oh, no, no, no. I, I wrote a great song about a fire, Catching Fireflies called Out of Love. It's on YouTube, I'm sure. Out of Love. It's about catching lightning bugs in mason jars. That happened to me. That's cute. It was. It was a wonderful adventure. I learned a lot there at 4,300 feet. Where only uh, the only elevation of the Dutchman's Pipe, a great flower, uh, up there in the granitic outcroppings of North Carolina's Smoky Mountains, a lot of beautiful events. Oh, you didn't have fireflies where you grew up, did you? No, we did not, unfortunately. Weirdly, so this is actually kind of uh, kind of perfect. I've seen fireflies exactly once, and I have no idea why it happened. But it was in Eugene during a Beach Boys concert during <laughs> God only knows. And I look around, and there's that was these, people like, smoking weed, and it was the- it wasn't it wasn't though. Like I was like, what is that? In the- Are those fucking no, and fireflies? There was, and, there, and there was a spaceship. And I, I mean, I had a, I had nothing to do with it. This, okay, this time I was not on acid. I swear to God. Wait, which Beach Boys was this? Was this the Mike Love Beach Boys, or was no? This was this was uh, this was the 50th anniversary tour that they did a few years years back that was uh that actually had brian wilson oh you mean the, the, the iteration where mike love fired brian wilson from the beach no, was the, after the, no after this was the fact. Yeah, after the fact <laughs> yeah, after the okay. fact yes but i saw I, the show that i caught was with wilson Al, and love Al and, 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very good show. And, and you know, that song, I've always liked that song, but I think I've heard it enough times over the course of my life that I was kind of like, okay, I, I get it. And in that moment I was like, this is, this is pure magic. This is, this is great. And that is the only time in my life I've ever seen fireflies and I have no idea why the hell it happened. <laughs> Which song was it? Holly? God only knows. It was, yeah, it was during God only knows. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Eric, you had fireflies. Eric's from Indiana. I'm from Pennsylvania and Holly's from Washington, Oregon. So Eric, did you have them growing up? Cause we did. In Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I grew up with a cornfield in my backyard and you would just look out over there at night and they would just, it was just covered in them. And there was just, it's funny cause we were just talking about this, this week that the it's been shown that fireflies actually do sync up with each other yeah. now. Like yes, uh, there was do. just a thing in the times this week about it. And I was now like, I read that. It was yeah. so, it's super interesting. Now I went through three, uh, 17 year locusts. Oh geez. <laughs> Slight. Except the middle one, the one in my adolescence was deafening. Yeah. And it was an incredible, surreal experience. And I just, and, and it, it made me think of Indians <laughs> and arrowheads and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and because it was a different world that made conversation impossible. Yep. We had cicadas like all the time in Indiana. Like yeah, that's, that's like when I would, you know, when you would have the windows open, it was just, I mean, that was, that's just the sound that was out there. It was constant. It was, we it was, had a locust tree in my yard where they'd come out and they, you know, climb out of their shells and leave the shells and we just yeah. play with them. Yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys ever go out on locusts or, or, or cicadas? I mean, I mean, are, is there anybody in, is one of your doers going to dial in with locusts for us? Or the, oh, put the sounds in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just I mean, layer some really, like, really subtle locust sounds. We could definitely ask Matthew to, uh, Matthew's a sound guy, and the, and the episode, like the outro music, just being locust noise. No, no, just, <laughs> do it, Matthew. <laughs> this is like asking Sylvester the cat asking for a de-esser. But like, suffering, suffering, suffering. Guys, I mean, I'm looking for Photoshop here. I mean, I know it's audio, but you know, I go, I go to extreme. I want to, I want us to put our best foot forward. If you think, if you think the insectivore, kind of like the getting out on the on the on, on the on the nature vibe <laughs> with the damn cicadas would bring everybody closer to nature, <laughs> but to forget, to forget that we really took a dump in the mess kit with global warming. To forget that we don't have an urgency to address and to, and, and to, so that we could keep thinking of music as simple entertainment, like a tale we can wag. My point is this, we have to find a way out of this dilemma. And I think it's good that music somehow agitate a sense of curiosity and redefinition. And I'm not gonna rely on old glories that don't mean a damn thing to the Bank of America. I'm going to explore what I can and find out who we are and make sure that multiculturalism doesn't tell me who I am, that I treat multiculturalism as a, as a um, reality to interpret and to bring connection and to console like I did and to strengthen others. And I'm not gonna fear this, this, uh, this lingo problem. I'm not going to fear this lingo problem. And I am entirely grateful that we've used, like they do at control towers, in every place that there's an international flight, globally, they speak English. And I'm so grateful to you folks for letting me speak English with you today, because it's a great way to avoid collision. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, we did. I thought we did a handsome job. Yeah, thank you so much for coming out and joining us. And yeah, thank um, you for Eric and Holly and myself. 
Enjoy, Enjoy your, your life. life. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you guys. Thank you.